Hey, Clem. Hi, Jen. What are you listening to this week? Welcome to season four of What Are You Listening To? The weekly podcast created to foster community through music by sharing the stories behind the songs that soundtrack our lives. Some of the songs are old, some new, all good. I'm Jen Tully, and this week I'm joined by Clem Moss. Clem is the founder and drummer of my new favorite, all-female Led Zeppelin tribute band, Zepparella, and author of the book, From Bonham to Buddha and Back, The Slow Enlightenment of the Hard Rock Drummer which uses her music career as a metaphor for contemplative practice. This week, Clem and I are going to get to know each other through four songs. Two are her picks and two are mine. For the best listening experience, I recommend tuning into the show on Spotify. There, you can hear the show with the songs we discuss incorporated. You can also find the show on Apple, Amazon Music, or wherever you stream. But if you're not listening on Spotify, be sure to give the playlist a listen and then tune into our conversation. With that, Let's get started. Clem, what are you listening to this week? Hi, Jen. Thanks for having me. Um, Well, you caught me. uh, You know, I feel like every week I could listen to something, you know, it could be so markedly different. Right. This week I was in the recording studio recording some original music, and so I was in songwriting mode. So the first uh, song that I chose is Nobody's Baby by Nick Cave. And the second song I chose is from um, uh, Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, one of my very favorite albums by Elton John. And I just picked a funeral funeral for a friend and love lives bleeding because I have some really neat history with that. Uh, those two tracks. I cannot wait to get into these because, and I'm glad you said that about like you were in songwriting mode this week because when I when I saw your two picks, I'm like, oh, okay, we're gonna get into some singer songwriter stuff here. I'm so <laughs> excited about this. Um, and I was so surprised too that I had not had any Nick Cave on the show before, which is like shocking to me. Um, and it, it, I think the interesting part about that is. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Jason Isbell lately, and I think like second to Nick Cave, he's like the like captures stories and lyrics and tell like spins a yarn in the same way to me. And so yeah. it was so fun for me to kind of pause on Jason Isbell for a second and go back and revisit Nick Cave because I forgot how much I love Nick Cave and especially this album that this song is on, um, the Let Love In album from 1994, um, Love. I mean, and Nick Cave is prolific, right? He's been making music for four decades and something like almost 20 studio albums. I think he's got like 16 or 17. He's a screenwriter, a novelist, an actor. I mean, he's one of those people where I always say like, maybe you don't love him. Maybe you don't love his voice, but you've got to respect the talent, right? Like he's just amazing. So tell me about like how this song found you or how you found it or why this particular Nick Cave song. He has so many that are brilliant. Why this one? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because um, I I was uh, when I knew I was coming on the show, and I was looking at my music, right? Yeah. Like, what do I listen to, and how do I mean? Right now, I'm listening to Barbara Streisand's, um, you know, uh, 47 hour audiobook. So, yes, <laughs> like, you're right. So, um, 
So I was thinking about, you know, what do I listen to musically? And I realized something about myself, which I've kind of known, and I think I've always been a little embarrassed by it, but now I see it as a great gift, which is that I've always had my music curated for me. And I see this because um, when I was growing up, my father was an avid music lover and we always he always had the best stereo and it was like 8 a.m weekend mornings the stereo blasted all day long yes his favorite was the stones but he also loved the band john lee hooker the beatles um uh, leonard skinner like he really loved like southern rock blues rock and um that kind of stuff and so that really i mean that was the music i listened to until i was probably I mean, I'm still listening to it now, but, um, you know, when I got to be about 16, I started to, to have music that was all mine. Zeppelin was, Led Zeppelin was the first band that was kind of mine because it was a little hard for my dad. He didn't really relate to it. So that was like my first, my music, but that, that idea of being curated for it, it set up this, this pattern in my life where my, I was looking at my high school, my college boyfriend, he was an avid music lover and he introduced me to punk rock. Um, and then my, uh, my next really long-term boyfriend was a recording engineer. And I, you know, uh, I, we were going out before I was even a drummer and his passion for like different music. And, you know, he really, I had loved Bob Dylan and the band, but he really, turned me on to like early Bob Dylan and all of those, that kind of music, as long with like the replacements and a lot of the music that was happening at the time. And then now my husband of the last 22 years, he is, um, you know, he's a, a musician and a music manager and he has been playing music since he was, you know, 13, 14 years old. He's been a promoter. He's owned a record, you know, managed a record store. He's been on every level of music. And he has this encyclopedic knowledge of music. And he's an avid music collector. We have so many albums that we had to build, um, you know, stuff in our living room and had to measure the albums. And now it's (laughs) overflowing, right? Like we have so many albums. And I'm so lucky because I get this curation, you know, where I don't have to go and seek out music, right? And, um, So, you know, like I said, I've always kind of been embarrassed, like I'm a musician, like I should be one of those guys who like knows everybody who played on a record and I, but that's not my mind. Like I've just never, you know, music to me is, I'm so passionate about it, but I'm so like, I have such a varied taste, right? So anyway, I wanted to get that kind of out of the way before we even launched into Nick. No, I love it because I think that that comes up a lot on the show. You know, that's part of the goal here is, like I said, to get to know people through the songs that they find. And you do discover really quickly, like your dad and my dad sound really similar. Like I, that's how I experienced music too. We'll talk a little bit later in the show that another sort of embarrassing thing for me is that not only was music curated for me by my parents and people around me, but um, I'm also just a lover of pop culture. So that also includes 
includes like movies and TV shows and things like that. And that was another big source of music for me um, that was kind of like frowned upon, right? Like, oh, soundtracks aren't really music, you know, then like that's a nice segue into a Nick Cave conversation, right? I think he would disagree (laughs) given that he scored, you know, some of the greatest movies of all time and like shows of recent, you know, he scored um, the Jeffrey Dahmer series. He scored Blonde. He scored Wind River. Um, I mean, same thing. I think that there are, I think that the way we sort of used to look at soundtracks as a way of discovering music has kind of gone by the wayside, but I'm glad that um, we're being real and honest here about how, (laughs) how, how music found us, despite the fact that we're both like super fans, because I think it can come to you anyway. Like that's my wish for everyone. Like you can find music however you want, whatever kind of music speaks to you, but just like find it, right? It it opens up like a whole new like door in your soul. I think when you find, um, when you find the music that speaks to you. That's right. That's right. And I have those secret, you know, those secret, uh, mu- that secret music that I don't know that anybody around me really loves the way that I do, you know, and then it's kind of mine, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, talking about Barbara Streisand, like she's one of those people that I just adore and I've never had a friend who adored her the way that I do. Right. So, um, um, yeah. And, and, you know, that, which is a great segue into Nick Cave because, you know, Barbara, when she's talking about picking a song and choosing a song, she saw herself as an actress first and a singer second. Mm-hmm. And so every song that she chose, was she got into the character of the yeah. song, right? Yep. Now, that's that's a very, um, uh, you know, sh- kind of showbiz way to see it rather than, you know, a lot of s- singers these days would say that they're they're singing their story, right? Like right. singer-songwriters, which is uh, another way to do it. Um, but for her, she's stepping into a character. And I think Nick does that really successfully. Yeah. And, and the great ones like Nick and like Barbara, what they're able to do is they're step, able to step into a character, but tell a story that feels so um, connected to their own soul that we totally believe it. Tom Waits is someone who does that as well. I was you know, just going to say know, that. Yep. Yeah. You know, the character is not, he's not the character. And yet whatever that emotion is, he manages to tap into himself and create it to be a universal, um, a universal story, which I think is really what Nick Cave does in Nobody's Baby. It's very, it feels very personal mm, um, it does. in this story, and, but it really is a universal story of the way that we look back um, at the, 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 the mistakes made in relationships, you know, when a relationship is over and, um, you know, and how it's beyond us, you know, in a lot of ways. So true. And I love the way that you said that too, because I think that's like the song almost feels like it's like from the beyond, right? Like his voice is so chilling and it's such a sad song. A lot of times we talk about, you know, a song sounds really happy and then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh, ouch, that's, that's not, you know, this is one where like 
the lyrics and the song, it, like the tone matches perfectly, I feel like. And it is, it just, it's blunt and poetic all at the same time. And I think that's what I love about Nick Cave is just, he just always delivers on that front. He's consistently good at giving you like this yeah. blunt statement in like this really beautiful poetic way. Even the line, there's a line in this song that says, um, but there are some things love won't allow. I held her hand but I don't hold it now. Yeah. Like so basic, right? But like even reading it, I feel it like in my gut. I feel it in my heart. Like I feel those lyrics in such a really like profound, real way. And I think that that's such a gift, like almost a superpower that somebody can take something so simple, a sentiment that we've all felt before, and then just phrase it in a way that sums it up perfectly and beautifully and painfully like all in one like fail swoop there <laughs> totally yeah and you know in looking um I was thinking about this while, while I was in the studio working on my own songs my own songwriting you know trying to figure out you know how a song can really um you know just become something um that you're envisioning in your mind when you're writing the song and just looking at the structure of the song. And I've always loved songs that start off with big concepts and then bring it down to the personal. And that's what he does at the beginning of this when he's like, I've read through all of this, you know, all of this information, all of this wisdom, you know, that, you know, the world has to offer. And yet I still can't figure out why I couldn't keep this relationship. Right. And, yep. um, and I, and that's a really beautiful sentiment as well. Like the knowledge that we need, that we have sometimes isn't enough, um, you know, emotional to help us through these emotional situations. And that was one thing that really, I just love the way the song starts. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then I feel like that's, again, a great jumping off point into your second pick, which is Funeral for a Friend, Love Lies Bleeding by Elton John. Yes. Last, um, night at, yeah, last night at the end of our recording session, our two-day recording session, I record with my my dear friend who I've recorded with now for almost 25 years, Rob, Robert Preston at Get Real Studios here in San Francisco. And you know, we have a tradition at the end of our, um, our recording uh, time at that last night, we always crank something up and, and both stand on opposite sides of the studio and like sing out loud, really loud. At the I song. Love that. And, uh, last night it was yellow brick road. Um, which is why I kind of at the last minute, I was like, I'm changing my song. I want to do yellow brick road. Yes. Um, yeah. And I was thinking about funeral for a friend. So funeral for a friend, it doesn't have lyrics and yet, right. When I remember being um, in seventh grade, we were supposed to take a song and write um, words to it, right? It wasn't like a songwriting class. It was in literature. It was kind of opening us to the poetry, I guess, think, idea. Yeah. And I used that funeral for a friend because it's just so evocative. Like at one point, I m imagine this graveyard and like the moon coming up. And as soon as the moon comes up at midnight, like all of the spirits start getting out of the graves and you can hear the little castanets in there. And I'm like, the skeletons are dancing and all of this stuff. Um, so I've always really loved that, uh, that, song because it's an example of how music can paint pictures. 
For right. sure. And I think, yeah. you know, Elton John is great at that and has been for a really long time. And this yeah. song, if you're, uh, you know, I think a lot of people have listened to the Goodbye Yellow Brick Road album, but I feel like this is a song that doesn't get as much love as it should. Like when mm-hmm. I saw this pop up on your list, I'm like, oh, and there are so many Elton John. We talk about this um, a lot too on the show that, you know, for really prolific artists, they might have I don't know if you're lucky five or 10 songs that get radio airplay and the rest of their catalog is just sort of like deep tracks, you know, like it's considered just frivolous, I guess. And, and so it's always amazes me. Like I'm always happy when somebody brings a great song from a great artist, from a great album, that's a lesser known cut from that album. And I think like this song is one of my favorites off of that album. It's truly like an 11 minute masterpiece. You know, it starts off with this like funky instrumental for the first almost six minutes. And you get like, like you were saying this weird, almost like ELO style synth. And then you Uh get like all the drama of like a meatloaf song, you know, it's like, and then, and then Elton John comes in with the piano and you're like, Oh, that's right. I'm definitely listening to Elton John. So I think that the song just has everything. Like it's just, it's got a sad story, but a happy sort of beat behind it. It's great musically. I love the arrangement. Um, I just think that the song is one of his best. Um, I always, this one and, um, Let's see my uh, my father's gun from what's is that from the tumbleweed crossing album? Oh, I think yeah, right, that's right. another of his songs that I love that I feel like, you know, just doesn't because it's not one of his radio airplay songs. A lot of people don't know it. So this song was in that category for me. And I was so, um, oh, so cool. happy to have it. And again, always looking back on these songs like this is from 1973. Like that blows my mind that it, you can listen now and it sounds like. It, it could be so just, it's, yeah, yeah, it's just as fresh, right? Like yeah, I, that's right. I think that's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I just don't yeah. know how you do that. The, 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 um, the connection between Elton and Bernie, um, you know, yeah, just being, being somebody who, you know, is, you know, I'm a lyricist, right. And I create, um, you know, when I create music, I kind of start from drums hear words and drum beats and then kind of, you know, um, get people to come in to, to help me with, uh, you know, the, uh, the musical aspect of it, you know, I'll put like a really basic chord progression throughout the song and then have somebody come in to kind of flesh it out. Right. Who really knows music and, um, that kind of collaboration, I feel like I've, it's always been a dream of mine and I've had, I've been fortunate in my life to have, collaborators like that on all of my solo records where um where we're able to to collaborate in that way and um yeah it's uh, I was thinking that you know being in with a great friend and collaborator of mine Robert as we're working on uh, writing songs and you know trying to you know it's like a puzzle piece you know to to write a song together and and so I I you know I that 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 relationship, when I found that out, I think when I was a very young kid that, that Elton John was writing the music and Bernie was writing the words, yeah. it turned on light bulbs for me, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And just like two of the greatest collaborators of all time, you know, I think yeah. that it's like, again, what a magical pair. And and again, also so glad that those two found one another, you know, when you yeah. think about it, like cosmically and in the universe, like, thank goodness. Right. Like what if those yeah. two had just like continued to pass each other, you know, that fateful day at 
the recording studio, you know, like, and they never did sit down and try and write together. Like, uh, I I just think of all the amazing songs that we would not have. I can't even think of it. I don't even want to think about it. (laughs) Um, But I'm glad too, that that's becoming more like, um, acceptable that people are collaborating and doing these things together and uh, an artist that likes a certain band can pull members from you know that band in and collaborate with them and work together and I'm so happy that we're seeing a lot more of that crossover because I think we're getting a lot um, deeper richer songs from artists that we've liked that are you know sort of a two heads are better than one situation where they've pulled somebody else in that's really genius as well and put something mm-hmm. together that's just double mind blowing so yeah, I do I think love all that music, too. all music has an element of collaboration, you know, ultimately, even for a singer songwriter, I mean, they're going to need somebody to, um, you know, to help them kind of record it or to, you know, I mean, there are those rare people. Um, honestly, I don't know that there's anybody who can do it all by themselves. Right. You know? um, or that you'd you want know. to even, yeah. you know, yeah. I feel like that's also like yeah. the collaboration and the joy that comes from that is part yeah. of the part of the magic. That's right. And ultimately, the, the, the big collaboration is you and the audience, you know, and yeah. somebody has a acoustic guitar and they stand up in front of the audience. The audience is going to tell them which songs are working and which songs aren't. Right. Yeah, it's so true. And it feels like um, I'm always I'm always happy to be part of that collective in the audience. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. that's <laughs> that right. feels like a gift always. That's right. Um, well, my stories are, are are similar to yours, shockingly, um, at least in terms of this first pick here and how I came to find it. So my first song um, is a song called A Million Miles Away by a band called The Plimsolls. So The Plimsolls are one of those bands that um, I discovered early and like we were talking about were were my own. They weren't something that somebody else had introduced me to or something that I had listened to from my parents or heard in the car. Um, This was from uh, the first time I heard them was from an amazing 80s movie that I will always love called Mm -hmm. Valley Girl. (laughs) We talk about it on the show a lot. and from there, I just like went off the rails on the Plimsolls. And that was before, you know, when I first heard them was before Spotify, before streaming, like obviously all of the things. So I was in record stores. I was looking for liner notes. I was, you know, trying to find out as much as I could um, from talking with the people that worked in the record stores and all those kinds of things to figure out everything that I could about the Plimsolls and Peter Case and all of the things. And then when I moved to Los Angeles in 1995, one of the very first things I did before we even like moved into our apartment and unpacked the car was I saw a flyer for the Plimsolls playing at this old venue in Santa Monica. It's not there anymore. It was called McCabe's Guitar Shop. And it was literally a guitar shop. And then in the back, there was a stage. And we like drove our car packed full of everything straight to McCabe's Guitar Shop, like <laughs> stepped awesome. out and saw a Plimsolls show. So it really was one of those full circle moments for me of like, this was a band that I discovered that I liked from a movie that maybe in some subtle way or not so subtle way was part of the reason that I was always attracted to LA and wanted Uh to go there and wanted to be there. Um, And so to see them like very first, like stepping out of my car into Los Angeles and into a Plimsoll show felt really like a full circle moment for me. And there's nothing like 
deep necessarily about this song or amazing. I, I love Peter Case's voice. I love the guitar. I love the drums in this song. It's just like a good rocking love song, you know, and I've always liked it. It's whenever I'm feeling like ah, discombobulated or lost or I don't know what to do or I don't know what I want to listen to. Like that's always like a true north for me, right? I can always go back to the Plume Souls and especially that Everywhere at Once album um, and just feel like I immediately like know where I'm supposed to be. I love that story. I love that you just were like, no, we're going like yeah. drove over to it. <laughs> When I was listening to, so I know this song so well because, you know, in 1981, I was what, in, you know, 11th grade or 10th and 11th grade, right? So it was everywhere. You know, this song was everywhere, especially once the movie came out, it was everywhere, especially in Southern California. It was everywhere, right? And, um, and I always loved it. And when I hear it, it brings me into that, um, you know, it's funny, like music, it'll bring me into like almost an atmosphere, you yes. know, of like rooms that I was in or the way the light looked then, or, you know, it's almost a visual feeling that kind of rises like a smell does, you know, where you smell yep. something and you're kind of transported. That's, that's what this is like um, for me. And when I was listening to it today, this morning, I was like, hi, I really, his voice is awesome. You're right. He has a really great voice. Yeah. It um, is. Yeah, and I wish I could have found cool. the original version of the song. They only had these live versions, which again, I was like, well, that fits because of the That's story, yeah. you know, but yeah, you can't find that album on Spotify. Um, I'm trying that- to think too about the, was there a video? I think there that there was. Because, yeah. Because MTV, you know, ha- like, I think it was around 81 that yeah, TV kind of came. It was. I remember specifically being like laying, I was the editor of the school newspaper and laying out the school newspaper and um, I would do it at the local newspaper uh, place, uh, printing place. And I remember looking up at the TV and it was the first time I saw MTV. Now, yes. what people don't talk about with MTV is that, you know, before that on, you know, there's so much cable television and there yeah. were all of these little video shows. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I'd never seen music videos before, right? But this was like, it seemed like, you know, it was a bigger thing than these local yeah. access, you know, two guys on a couch playing video kind of things. Well, and they had yeah. more time. It was like all day long. Like I right. still remember the first video I saw on MTV too. It was Freeze Frame by the Jake mm-hmm. Isles Band, mm-hmm. actually. <laughs> they played that all the time, didn't they? All yeah. the time. Yeah. Heavy rotation. And yeah. and I think, you know, too, like the, that was such a, like when you talk about atmosphere, like that was such an atmosphere. Like anybody's friend, like any friend's house that you went to from the time sort of MTV launched until they stopped playing music right. <laughs> and started only playing reality shows, right. um, that it was on, right? It was background everywhere yeah. you went. Anybody's house you went to, MTV was on in the background, you know, whether right. it was Headbangers Ball or, you know, whatever, like Friday night videos, like everybody was like watching these, like like universally watching for these new videos to come out that went with their favorite songs. So it definitely was like an atmosphere. Yeah. At the beginning that I think what they were doing was they were going around to all of the, the little stations and like finding out what were, you know, what they were playing on those little stations. So you saw things like, um, uh what was that what was that band um 
the residents, you know, there were like yeah. residents videos, you know, which the residents yeah. were never, you know, never got, I don't think they were Huge. ever charted or anything, you know, right. they didn't have any chart songs, but they made videos. And yeah. so the videos were on MTV, right? Yeah. And it was I a cool time. Pretty quick, it, it kind of, you know, it started narrowing, narrowing. Yeah. But at the it beginning, did. it was fun. Yeah. It was. It was a good time. Early yeah. days of MTV. Good times. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm rounding out our playlist with another like super personal song that um, that that kind of helped me again on my journey to Los Angeles. I don't know if it was your California vibes coming through to me, Clem, that like really uh, set me back to the LA days. But um, my my second pick is a song called "Spin the Bottle" by the Juliana Hatfield Three. So this is one of those albums too that like just kind of spun me around the first time that I heard it. Um, it came out in 1993. It's off the album, Become What You Are. Um, and this was a time when women were really starting to do some like awesome rock musician things that were different than what I'd heard them do in the past. Of course, like, you know, you, I'm not saying that heart didn't exist or like these really fabulous or like Joni Mitchell, like singer songwriter or rocker, talented musicians, female musicians, but it, this, this early nineties timeframe was such a cool, interesting space for music because I think it was the first time for me that I remember female rockers kind of coming out and making fun of the whole thing, right? Like making fun of the way women had traditionally been portrayed in song or, you know, what a female rock star had to be. And this was when like, you know, Sheryl Crow was kind of breaking, Liz Fair was coming out, the Breeders, like you had just these really powerful, strong female voices. And this was a song that felt accessible, like I could get into it, but I still really appreciated the story. It's like, you know, it's about some stupid shit we do as kids, but, yeah. you know, it still felt empowering to me. It felt like she was still in the driver's seat, even though they're playing this dumb game that, you know, was traditionally encouraged by the boys so that they could kiss the girls, you know, yeah. and I just love that she took ownership of it. And then, like I said, when I got to Los Angeles, which was two years later in 1995, it was almost like the this it was like advice from my big sister about dating in Los Angeles, right? Like <laughs> I felt like, oh, look at how like um predictive of everything this song was. Like, yeah. Um, and I always love the line where she says he's in a bunch of movies, really stupid movies. It's not entirely his fault. He can't control it all. You know, where you're just like, nah. <laughs> and it did. It reminded me of like every, you know, hot actor dudes are a dime a dozen in Los Angeles, right? But when you're 22 and living the dream, you're like, okay, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I didn't know this song. Yeah, so it was okay. really fun to listen uh, to listen to it. Yeah, yeah. She's she's really great. You know, I've always loved her voice, and she's worked with some of my favorite people. She's worked mm -hmm. with Matthew Cause of Not a Surf. Um, they had a side project called Minor Alps. We mentioned the Replacements earlier. Everybody that's listened to the show knows I'm a huge Replacements fan. She worked with um, Paul Westerberg, um, and they were called the I Don't Cares. She was in Lemonheads with Evan Dando. 
um, so she's done. She's one of those people. She's kind of like an Amy man a little yeah. bit, right? Like mm -hmm. people right. know her, but not really all that much. Or you hear a song and you're like, oh, okay, that's Juliana Hatfield. So mm -hmm. I was happy to bring a song of hers to the show because I really think she's, again, she's one of those artists that's kind of um, underrated. And also I'll shout this out as well because she has a great um, cover of a really amazing Elliot Smith song called Needle in the Hay. Yeah. Um, and her cover version of that is, is actually really, really good. Um, and it's hard to, I would imagine it's hard to cover Elliot Smith. <laughs> yeah, definitely. She also seems like someone who, um, you know, when you don't have a specific genre necessarily, like she seems so versatile, I yeah. think then you're, it's almost as if your name gets like spread over a lot of places, but it doesn't stand out. Right. Um, right. And, um, but I don't think that's a bad thing because she has such an active career and the people who really yeah. know her know her, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, I think she's like an artist artist too, right. you know, like people yeah. kind of seek her out. Um, and so that's, that's my little plug for Juliana Hatfield. If you're not familiar, definitely, uh, get in there and dig deep on some of her music because, um, she does, she's got a great catalog. She's collaborated, like I said, with a lot of great people and it's just fun. There's something, I'm sure there's something in there that everybody will like, yeah. <laughs> even if it's not spin the bottle, there's something else that you'll like. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Clem, thank you so much for sharing what you're listening to this week. And listeners, to learn more about Clem, you can visit her website at clemthegreat.com. That's C-L-E-M t-h-e-g-r-e-a-t.com. There you'll find book purchase links. You'll get the lowdown on her band and music and more information about her spiritual counseling practice. And I feel like we're going to have to have you back on, Clem, because we didn't even get to talk about the book. I was so interested in the stories of your songs. So yeah. I think that um, you may have to make a second appearance here in season four so we can dig a little bit deeper. Maybe um, once you get some of your original music finished that you're working on right now, you'll come back and share it with us. Oh, thank you. I would love it. Thank you so much, Jen. Yay. This was so great. Thank you so much for joining me, Clem. And as always, listeners, please be sure to follow, download, and share the show. And if you love listening, drop us a review. Last but not least, to stay informed on all things Super Awesome Mix and what are you listening to, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Super Awesome Mix. Thanks for listening, and please join me again next week to find your new favorite song. 